I often ask myself, what do we as Christians have that is so good that it's a shame that the world has to live without it? The answer, I believe, is the good news about Jesus, and that is worth sharing. This is Adam Hill, minister of the Word at Rochester Church of Christ, and I pray that today's message shares that good news and that you are richly blessed by it. Good morning. As Kenny said, we want to issue a welcome to anyone who uh, is with us uh, today from the Rochester University community. Uh, We're certainly thankful to have you here on campus uh, as we worship God today. Uh, Today we're going to be closing out our three-part series that we've been studying through the book of Jude. Okay, And, and one of the things that's said in Jude verse 1 is that, is that Jude identifies the, the people of God with these three words. He said, we are called, we are loved, and we are kept. And today as we close out the series, we're going to focus on being kept by God. Thank you. We're going to focus on being kept by God. And, the, and, and, and in particular, we're going to look at how God, as our Heavenly Father, and Jesus as our King are able to keep us forever. I've brought some friends. No, I didn't bring them. But I have some friends who are going to join me on stage. And we're going to talk a little bit about this. Some folks I I can't wait for you to meet. I'm going to ask Roy and Irene uh, from Kibo Group International. If you are on campus, you may see Kibo Corner. Um, This is that same Kibo Group. Uh, Larry Norman is the, the executive director of Kibo Group International, and he is uh, one of the members of our church here. But we have been a partner with Kibo since its founding. The missionaries, some of the missionaries that founded it were from this church. And so over in Uganda, we have, uh, we, we have this partnership with Kibo Group International. And we have two friends who have traveled from Uganda. Irene and Roy, who are going to come and join me. So if y'all will, come and join me. You are welcome to come up here. All right. And y'all can have a seat. And I get to stand over here and do an interview. It's going to be super fun. Um, All right. And... and, um, I think we have a slide that has their pictures and full names for folks. If we can pull that up, we'll see if we do. If not, that's okay too. Uh, We'll call you Roy and Irene because those are your names. Right. Uh, Here we go. I've been I've been practicing on this. Roy Moesigwa. Yes. Okay. That's one. (laughs) This next one's eleven letters. Uh, Natibirongo. Yes, right. Right. I asked her, I asked her, Irene, how do I say your last name? And she said, Nagobi. <laughs> now that's because she's married to Tom Nagobi, who was here for several years. Uh, and he is still working with, uh, with Kivo Group, but he's back in Uganda. She got to come this time. And Tom is back with the kids. All right, which is good for him. That's good for him. Right. All right, remember that. He's calling and saying, you got to come back. It's good for him right now to get the practice. Okay, so I've got some friends here, and I want to ask them a couple of questions so that y'all can get to know them. Now, they're going to have the opportunity to speak uh, to you about their work with Kibo Group 
at our potluck with purpose that's right after our Bible classes. Okay, when we finish here, we go to our Bible classes until around 12.15, and then we're going to immediately go to Potlucks with Purpose. Everyone is welcome to stay. If you want to find out more about the work they're doing, the amazing work that God does through them um, at Kibo Group International uh, there in Uganda, they're going to have a chance to talk about that. I don't want to steal that thunder, and so what we're going to talk about actually is them personally— uh, and your own personal faith. And so I'm going to start with a question for you, Roy. Uh, I want to ask you, can you explain to me how you came to faith in Jesus? Yes, thank you. I was born of parents that were Anglican Christians. In my country, when a child is born of uh, Christian parents, they're taken to church and given a name and sprinkled in the face with water. So I went through that process and I lived my life like that. In 1994, I met the missionaries from the Church of Christ when they came to my country and we went through scripture and I found that I was really not a Christian. So I came to Christ, I believed, I was baptized and I became a Christian since 1994. All right. So you heard you you were raised by a family that was a Christian family, and then you made your own personal profession of faith in 1994 yes. when you met some of these missionaries. Yes. Excellent. Okay, Irene, this next one's for you. What is your favorite story about Jesus from the Bible? What's your favorite Jesus story? Thank you. My favorite story about Jesus is um, I believe Jesus was a servant. And I believe Jesus sacrificed his life for us. So this is something I've taken me as an individual because there is a verse in the Bible that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, I believe that's the scripture that we should rely on, we should best on to take up tomorrow because through our weaknesses, through our worries, we can do everything if Christ gives us the strength. Amen. All right. If you want to come forward, we can, we're done. Uh, that was, <laughs> that was great. I want to ask, I want to ask more questions. No. Um, okay. A little bit. I mentioned Tom and I mentioned your three kids, uh, Irene, and they are Rebecca, Caleb and Silas. And Silas. Eight ages. Rebecca is? Eight. Eight. And she's mom junior. I got, to, I got to eat dinner in their home, and I got to meet the kids. They're great. Rebecca is eight. Caleb? Five. Five. And Silas? Four. Four. Silas has a little energy. He just has a little bit of energy. That's all I'll say. Um, an extra measure uh, from the Lord. It's, it's, it's great. It's great. Now, Roy, you, your daughter, um, Priscilla, yes. Priscilla Batamaliza, now Priscilla Fredrickson, yes. um, who is also was a student at Rochester, whom we know very well. This is Priscilla's dad. But Priscilla has now gifted you there in Denver, Colorado, with two grandchildren. grandchildren yes. And their names are? Noah. Noah. Four years and Levi, 
He's two years. Okay, Noah's four years old. Levi's two years old. Fantastic. Now, this is your first chance to meet Levi in person. Yes. This is awesome. He's, he's going for a few days uh, after he finishes here almost uh, immediately. Um, and so, uh, blessings on that. So, both of you uh, know what it's like to have families and to raise them. Okay. So, the next question I have has to do with that, and I want to connect it to this idea of being kept by God. Um, we are kept by God the Father. Jude, Jude wants to emphasize God's parenthood as we talk about this idea of being kept by God. What is your favorite attribute of God? Whether it's God's love or God's faithfulness or God's trustworthiness or whatever. Pick a favorite attribute of God and then I want you to kind of reflect on yourself as a parent or grandparent and how has that informed and shaped your practice? Who wants to go first? Irene, you get to go first this time. Right, okay. Well, raising children may be hard and tricky, but there's also this verse in the Bible in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, which says, bring up a child in the way you want them to go so when they are old, they will not depart. So that means you should bring them with love, but with discipline and counsel, guiding them, so that even when they are away from your home and they have grown to stay alone, they will always stick to God's love. They will always know where to run to. You may not be around them to show this comfort and love, but they will remember that we were raised as Christians in love and passion, so they will always run to God for love and passion. So that's how I take it. Amen. I love Irene. Okay, you're the first person ever. I've had plenty of people say, God is love. That's my favorite attribute. I've had plenty of people say that. I've never had someone use that as a way to get to healthy discipline. I'm not kidding. That's great. Because that's, that's an important part of God's love is that, uh, you know, if, if our father didn't love us, he wouldn't discipline us. That's what it says in scripture. So, right. so, so that's, that's, that's awesome. Roy, if you have to pick an attribute, it can be the same one, by the way. But you get to go. Thank you. In my country, in my culture, we say the baby poops and the mama cleans. Our, Thanks, our Roy. Father in heaven. That's great. Our Father in heaven looked down on us and saw his children reeling in the cesspool of sin. And no one asked God to come and help. But he looked at this. And by his own initiative, he decided to sink his hands in this poop and clean the baby. Mm. I am a father. I am a husband. And I can tell you the story, my story of uh, being a father and my story of being a husband. But I take it as my responsibility that I have to demonstrate love, because I believe love is demonstrable. What it means to me is I have always be ready to restore what goes wrong in those that I love, because God restored me in the same way. Love it. Amen. Amen. 
I am so thankful that you were willing to do this. I know it's not always comfortable for everyone to come up on stage and do all of this. If you want to hear more from Roy and Irene, I encourage you to stay for lunch. Uh, we'll feed you and you'll get to hear uh, more from them, especially about their work in Africa. I'm going to say a prayer for y'all. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Roy and Irene. We thank you for their witness. We thank you for their testimony. We thank you for the way that they rely on you. And God, I pray that you'll bless the work they do. More, I pray that you'll bless their families. That you'll bless those, those, those homes and, and those extended families with love and with your presence. And that you'll keep them safe and pour out abundant blessing on them and their children, God. We thank you, thank you, thank you for our brothers and sisters throughout the world who are one with us because of your spirit and because of your son, Jesus, in whose name we pray, amen. God bless you and thank you for, for sharing that. Um, so I want to read from Jude chapter 1. There's only one chapter, so that's pretty easy. Um, and I'm going to read uh, three verses. And it's our custom here that when we read the Word of God together, if you are willing and you are able, please stand in reverence uh, for God and the authority of God and in reverence to the Scriptures as we read from Jude chapter 1. I'm going to start in verse 1 and then I'm going to jump to the very end uh, and read the last two verses. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who have been called, who are loved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we exalt you and we praise you. We were made to do it. God, we pray, thank you, thank you, thank you for your ability to save us, to preserve us, and to bring us to your presence. God, we ask that you would speak, Father, for your children are listening. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. So Jude closes this letter with a brief doxology. Now, a doxology, I know we use that word, but it's kind of, there's a song that is the doxology, praise God from whom all blessings flow. And we're like, yeah, okay, I know that. The word doxology means a God. Okay, glorification of God. So this brief statement of glory, this doxology, a, a brief declaration of praise. And Jude reminds us in this brief doxology, which has been described as one of the most beautiful in Scripture, um, who God is and what our destiny is as God's people. Who God is and what our destiny is as God's people. Now, Jude's message thus far in the book has been one of warning. Remember, he said in verse 4, he wanted to write them about the salvation they share, but instead he's got to warn them because there have been some false teachers who have crept in among them 
who are misleading them and putting them in jeopardy, putting them in dangerous places. And he says, I have to confront that, and I need you to help me confront it. I need you to start contending for your faith. You're going to have to learn how to protect yourself in the face of this opposition. And perhaps, i got to be honest, there's, there's quite a few verses dedicated to this. And so Jude can kind of lend to the doom and gloom of maybe we're not going to make it. And I wonder if some of his listeners thought, boy, with all this opposition and all these false teachers who have crept in and, and we didn't even see them coming, or do we even have a chance? And Jude reminds them that the only answer lies in the power of God the Father. Because God is able. Amen. And that, that's the big message that I want you to hear. God is able. All right, I'm going to move pretty quickly because we want to stay within our allotted time. But I want you to hear the message today. God is able. All right, three times in Scripture we are told that God is able in those terms. The first one is in Romans 16 and verse 25. It says, Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with the gospel... The message I proclaim about Jesus Christ in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past. Paul gives praise to the God who is able to strengthen us. God is the one person who can give us a foundation of life that nothing else can shake. The second time we see it is in, is in Paul's writings, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. That Paul gives praise to the God who is able to do more than we can even dream of. He's the God whose grace no one has ever exhausted and on whom no claim can ever be too much. And then Jude 24 and 25, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. God is able. Now, the first thing I want you to see as we look at this text, first thing I want to make is that God is able to save you. Okay, that, that, that I don't want you to lose this because this is its main points. God is able to save you. If you look closely at verse 25, he identifies God directly as your Savior. Go ahead and bring up verse 25 if you can, Keith. Thank you. To the only God, our Savior. God, our Savior. Be glory and majesty and power and authority. God is our Savior. God can save you. God is able to save. Now, in some ways, there is a past, a present, and a future to this. Okay, when we talk about God our Savior, in the past tense, God, you, you have been saved. Okay, Scripture says this, you have been saved. What God has done in Jesus Christ accomplishes our salvation. You have been saved. You will not get more saved. You are completely saved. You have been saved. What God has done in Jesus Christ is effective and complete. Amen. 
talk about this theologically. Your big word for this is justification. You have been justified, forgiven of sins, saved from sin. In the present tense, you are being saved. Okay, that what God is doing by the work of the Spirit regenerates us, gives us and that we are being, here's your big word, sanctified. Okay? We have been forgiven. Now we are being transformed by the presence of God. Being saved, and it changes your heart. Okay? It changes the way you live. So that it's not that I immediately can do everything I've ever wanted to do in the spiritual life, but God is empowering me to be transformed so that when I face trial and temptation and struggle, I can faithfully stand. Okay? I am being saved. And then there's the future tense. I will be saved. Okay? The, 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 the salvation God has for you and I that, that, that is being kept is our eternal salvation. Okay, where I will spend eternity in the presence of God, and the big word for that is glorification. Okay, that, that the same one who called me eventually is going to glorify me. Okay, because I have been saved, I am being saved, and I will be saved. Now, if there's a past, a present, and a future, then it's always right for us to be evangelized. And to proclaim the good news of what Jesus has done, is doing, and will do. God is able to save you. The second thing I want you to remember is that God is able to keep you. God is able to keep you. Jude says that God is able to keep you from stumbling. Now the word stumble doesn't simply mean to slip up. It doesn't mean you're never going to make a mistake. The word stumble technically in Greek signifies falling down, falling away. Okay, that God is able to keep me and preserve me from falling away. The Bible, this is one of those places where I get to teach. All right, teach, Pastor. Here. <clears throat> falling away. Because the Bible tends to talk out of both sides of its mouth on this one. All right, because on the one hand... You get a verse like Galatians chapter 5 and verse 4. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ and you have fallen away from grace. If you look at Galatians chapter 5 and verse 4, these believers have decided instead to go back to the law and he says if you do that, you have what? Fallen away. So if you look at Galatians chapter 5 and verse 4, is it possible to fall away from the grace of God? Yes. All right, so we see that, and on the one hand, we look at it and we say, okay, it's possible to fall away. I mean, if, and this is not the only verse. I, I don't have a lot of time, but 2 Peter chapter 20, for instance, talks about uh, those who have come to know Christ only to return the world. He says, you're worse off than you were at the beginning. So apparently they were outside of God's grace, then they moved into God's grace, and then they chose to leave God's grace, and they're now worse off than they were at the beginning. So on the one hand, it is clear that it is possible to fall away from God. Okay, this is why your Bible is full of these 
uh, these encouragements to repent given to believers. We need to repent because it's possible for us to fall away. On the other hand, there are these verses that seem to make it clear that God will keep us forever. Okay, Jude 24, praise God who is able to keep you from stumbling. Or maybe probably the most famous is in John chapter 10 and verse 29 where Jesus says, My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. He talks about his sheep. This is the passage where he's the good shepherd, John 10. They are in my hand. No one can take them out of my hand. They cannot be removed from my hand. No one can take them out. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Now, now this is an assurance that God is able to keep us, and Satan does not have the power to take you from God's hand. but you do have the power to leave. Satan can't force you to leave God. But God has given you a freedom that you can choose to leave God. God is able to keep you. You remain faithful to God and God will keep you and nothing can change that. You choose to be with God, and God is with you no matter what. God will keep you. Here's here's the deal. Keeping us spiritually safe is God's work. But you can always tell the people that God is working in because they're working also. You see, God doesn't call us to simply have the Christian life happen to us. God doesn't command us to save ourselves. God calls us to a partnership in God's kingdom where I participate in the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the new life of Christ. Romans chapter 6. God is able to keep you. Sadly, I meet a lot of Christians who because they are reacting against doctrines of eternal security, doctrines that say once saved, always saved, they're reacting against that. They end up unwittingly preaching a doctrine of eternal insecurity. I never know if I'm actually saved. Folks, that is not biblical. The biblical truth is that the one who began a good work in me is going to bring it to completion. The biblical truth is that the one who who I've pledged my life to, there is nothing that can force me out of his hand. The biblical truth is that he is able to save me. He is able to keep me. And the third thing I want to tell you today is that he's able to present you. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. I love that. He's able to present me before his glorious presence that I don't come into the presence of God trembling. I come into the presence of God with great joy. We'll talk about it in a moment. 
I come into God's presence because God is able to present me, get this, without blemish. Did you catch that? Without fault. The word without fault is amomos, and it's used in the context of sacrifice, and it's talking about those animals that were acceptable for sacrifice being those that were without spot or blemish. Okay, that, that's, that's the phrase that's being used, the technical term for a sacrificially acceptable animal. And so because of what God has done when God saved me, because of how God is keeping me, God can now present me as an acceptable sacrifice to God. I am without fault. I don't feel without fault because I've met me. I've looked in the mirror and I know me. I, I have a long memory of what I do. <laughs> You've worked with me, you know. I don't feel faultless. Here's, and here's the amazing thing. There's gospel shot through this. The amazing thing is that when we submit ourselves to God, God's grace can make our lives nothing less than a sacrifice fit for Him. Just, just let these words wash over you. Psalm 103, 11 and 12, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is God's love for those who fear God. As far as the east is from the west, so far as God removed our transgressions from us. Micah chapter 7 and verses 18 and 19, who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl our iniquities into the depths of the sea. 1 John 1, 7, if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. How much sin? All of it. Romans 8, 1, you can say it with me if you know it. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen, church. As God is faithful, we don't have to slink shamefacedly into the presence of God because we are presented before God as faultless because of the work of Christ. That God has done for us what we could never do for ourselves. And has given it to us as a free gift, Jermaine. This is gospel. This is the good news we talk about. God is faithful, and because of that, I can come in, and I'm faultless. I'm, I, I'm able to enter as a, as a fitting sacrifice, and so I don't enter in bashful and afraid. I enter into a God who has loved me, who has called me, who has kept me. And I enter in, and the only proper response is to come before him with exceeding joy. Kenny, you talked about this. We, 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 are the, we come to God, we're singing songs today that are full of exceeding joy. Because God has made us so that we come before him and come into the presence of God with exceeding joy. All right, in this doxology, Jude mentions four attributes of God. In verse 25, 
He praises God's glory, God's majesty, God's power, and God's authority. When we speak of the glory of God, we mean God's radiance and God's moral splendor. When we speak of the majesty of God, we refer to God's greatness, God's transcendence, God's royalty. When we speak of God's power, we speak of God's strength and God's ability to act. The capability to act. And when we speak of God's authority, we speak of God's dominion and God's right to act. Not only is God strong enough to act, God, it is right for God to act. Because Jesus is king. Jesus is king. I don't ask you to do this all the time. But I want you to look at your neighbor. And I want you to tell them Jesus came. Jesus is king. Amen. Amen. Kenny, I'm going to ask you to come on up. You see, Jude is a book full of warning. But it closes with a statement of supreme confidence in God. Dangerous times should make us trust in a mighty God. He says both now and forever. To the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Now and forever. This could be translated unto all ages. There is is no more complete statement of eternity that can be made. Our victory, our triumph in God is forever. We just saw a brief glimpse. Now I want to ask you to pay attention. Just this past week, um, Hannah Keyes made the confession to take on Christ in baptism. And she said she'd been waiting for a while because she, she didn't quite understand, even though she'd heard it, it just hadn't sunk in, that this wasn't the crowning achievement of the Christian life. Rather, this was, this was the, the starting point of one's profession of faith in the Christian life. And, and now that there is a relationship there with God through the, through the gift of the Spirit, that she said, I, I want to go deeper, and I need to do this. And so we've been studying together. I've had the blessing to go to Oakland University and have a Bible study at Oakland University on campus uh, for a while. And and she was one of the people who really helped engineer that and was a part of that study. And so we've been studying for almost a year. But I want you to watch this video and how excited she is. Now the water's really cold. And so there's a moment at the end that's kind of funny. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Yes. So based on that confession, yes, I get to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You'll receive forgiveness of your sins and the gift of eternal life. Okay, you'll get the gift of the Holy Spirit living in you. All right? So how are your notes? (laughs) 
Hannah, I'm so thankful for her as a sister. She has such a wonderful heart and is so excited to know Jesus. My friend Daryl, his family has this saying when they, when they say goodbye to, to relatives and family members for extended periods of time, when they drop their kid off at college, when they, when they know that someone's moving away, they, they say this to each other. They say, don't miss it. You know, they say, I love you, goodbye, don't miss it. And what they mean is, Should Christ return? Should time as we know it end? When we're called up together in glory, when we see one another, the ones who have gone before us and are asleep now in Christ and the ones who, 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 who are nowhere close to it, when we all meet together, don't miss it. I want to make sure you're there. I don't want to miss you there. Church, don't miss it. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling. present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Quick confession here. Truth be told, as I preach, I'm often preaching at myself. I'm saying what I need to be reminded of. Thankfully, my struggles and questions are not just mine. It turns out that being human brings some pretty universal challenges to all of us. I am so thankful for the good news of Jesus Christ. It has never let me down. I pray that today's message blessed you with the good news. Remember, you are loved and chosen.